What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Verdi, the business freelance writer here. In this episode, we're going to talk about designing a business that runs without you like clockwork. It's all good when we're able to grow the business and do everything that needs to be done. But there are a lot of things that can happen. Some emergencies can come up. We may also just want to take a vacation. But the point is that we shouldn't create businesses that need us to be working in order to properly grow and survive. So we're going to talk about how do we make our businesses scale and become less dependent on us. Our guest who joins us today, he has started three multi-million dollar companies. He knows how to scale. He's the author of books like Clockwork. Profit First, and The Pumpkin Plan. He's also a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and regularly travels the globe as an entrepreneurial advocate. Our guest who joins us on Breakthrough Success is none other than Mike McCallowicz. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. This is so cool. Mike, it is amazing to have you on Breakthrough Success. I've had Mike on the show several times to talk about a few books and Clockwork being the latest book that we are going to talk about. Now, the entrepreneur, I feel like a lot of success in the entrepreneurial space is associated with hustle, with hard work, with the, you got to be working 15 hours a day if you really want to make it. And I think a lot of that is quite outdated and can send a toxic message. How can we um, get into this mentality where it's okay to step away uh, without like, you're not being lazy or you're not um, backing out by wanting to take a break. The number one thing to realize, Mark, is that the job of an entrepreneur is not to do the job, but to create jobs. Yeah, that was always the intention. You, I, entrepreneurs, we have a vision for the future, an outcome that we want to achieve that we believe will serve ourselves and serve society and serve the people we work with. And then our job is to organize the resources around us, technology, people, um, vendors, to achieve that outcome that we envision. Every time we do the work, the hustle and grind, we are actually intercepting or preventing someone else from doing the work. I read a statistic, and this really opened my eyes to this. <clears throat> Only 14% of the world population ever starts a business or runs a business, 14%. Only 20% of that 14% is successful doing it, meaning it's sustainable, it's profitable. So that means 3%, 2.8% of the population runs a healthy business. So if you look back to your kindergarten class of 30 kids, that means... <laughs> One or two of them are running a successful business. Everyone else is looking for a good job with a good, successful business. I mean, could you imagine an employee saying, I want to work with a business that's that's cash-strapped, that's really on the edge of failure? <laughs> Never. We want to work for a company that's stable, has a great work environment, that we get to express ourselves. Our job as entrepreneurs is to create that opportunity for others. We are the weirdos. We are the oddballs because we're bucking the trend. And for us to do the work is the most damaging thing we can do. So stop working, start providing the work. And uh, I mean, you have this dynamic where you certainly have to work to grow the business, but at the same time, you reach a point where the business needs to continue to operate without you. Like, I know Mike's book, he talks about like how all these iconic brands, like they figure out like Apple's living without Steve Jobs. 
Right. You have to figure out. And then like, if your business is reliant on you, then all those jobs are going away since you're no longer there. And I know at the beginning though, you definitely have to work because sure. you are the first, you are the one and only employee uh, person in your company, uh, shareholder, as Mike mentions. Um, and then you have to slowly get to that point of scale. At what point would you say is appropriate to go from the growth stage where you are doing the work, it's like a work harder mentality, and then transitioning into a scaling phase where it's more of smart work? Yeah, maybe it's the second day in business. Maybe it's when you have some kind of projected revenue. But let me just frame this up for us first. When we start a business, of course, we have to do the work because it's not a viable business. There's no cash in it unless you put cash into it. You don't have any clients. You don't know what the future beholds. There's no predictability. That's extraordinarily risky. Try going to anyone on the street saying, hey, I'm, I'm starting a new business. I can't pay you because uh, I don't have any money yet. I don't have any clients yet, but do you want to come work here? The only people that are willing to take that risk is when they say, well, I see massive upside potential. Give me shot, uh, stock or shares in the business. And maybe I'll see the upside. So it's very risky for someone to join in the beginning. We have to take on that risk often by doing the work in the beginning. But day two, and literally it could be day two, or maybe it's when you start bringing in some revenue, we need to fractionalize the entrepreneur. I think what most people do, they start a business and say, okay, I need to hire someone I don't have the money to do it. I need to grow uh, so that they can, I can hire that full-time employee. Well, the mistake is believing you need to hire a full-time employee. The other mistake is you don't have enough money. So fractionalizing means look at the work responsibilities you've assigned yourself in the company and ask yourself, what's the stuff that's time-consuming or is distracting because I don't like it or uh, is low-hanging fruit someone else could easily do? <clears throat> then pick those. And some of them are combinations. Pick that thing or those things and fractionalize it. Hire someone as a contractor. Use a virtual assistant. Um, you know, hire a, a part-timer or, or someone that will work a few hours a day or a few hours a week. And they all exist to start unloading you. Because we actually have to retrain ourselves. When we hire someone, we need to start understanding how to manage someone. And, and when we're doing it ourselves, you don't have to manage because you are the person. But when, when you start hiring people, you need to learn to manage. And that's a different... That's a different skill set. So do it in small bits and small pieces to get started. And I really like this different framework because a lot of people think the full-time role where if you're not paying someone 40 hours a week, you're not adequately hiring or right. people wait until they hit that step. But you can go on a place like Fiverr and get started there. Yeah, You can hire someone for five hours a week to do some things for you. Like you don't have to immediately scale up to full-time people. It can be a lot of freelance workers who help out with different parts of your company. There was um, a study, uh, a study, but just facts around Google. I think Google has a hundred thousand employees. It's probably more now. Could you imagine on Monday morning of next week, they say, we're going to hire a hundred thousand more employees and they're all starting uh, today and we're going to get them all up to speed. That's, that's overwhelming. Google couldn't afford to do that. It would be such a disruption, even if they could financially afford it, maybe they barely could. It'd be such a disruption to the flow of everyone else, <clears throat> it would never happen. They can't handle 100% growth. Well, as a one-person one uh, entrepreneur, if I hire one employee, that's 100% growth. It's percentage-wise the same growth, and it's the same disruption. <clears throat> now you got to 
be doing your work, but bring other people up to speed. Salaries have potentially even doubled now. The burden is extraordinary. Google would never do it. So why would a small business do it? Start with fractions. Fiverr is a great resource. Part-time employees. Start with it. And I'll tell you, if you don't know where to start, should I hire someone to do service or technology or sales? Hire an admin first. If you don't have an administrator, if you don't have an admin right now, that means you are the admin. So go out and seek a part-time admin. If you have no employees right now, it's usually the best part to start, place to start. And even if you are just saving five hours a week by investing in a team member, that's time that you could be more strategically reaching out to clients and building up your revenue. Uh, they're, when you're doing everything, you're doing the things that could bring in $100 plus an hour, but you're also doing the things that are maybe like 15 to $20 an hour. You're doing all those different things and being able to invest in small areas really uh, helps with getting the experience of scaling uh, your company. One of the things that I was really uh, keen on, you mentioned in your book uh, before you had the scaling down, like you go on vacation and yeah. uh, the work, like you leave your office, but the office doesn't leave you. Like that type right, of right. That's right. mentality. Um, and I think that's very relevant as like the storyline for a lot of people. Like they start this business, they're excited, <clears throat> they're ready to kick their job to the curb. And now all of a sudden you have this dream turning into a nightmare type of scenario. As Mike mentions in his book, it's a lot of people, they tell them that like they feel shackled to their businesses. Uh, how do we be able, like, how do we free ourselves in that sense yeah. where our business we love it and it's not taking away from our family and other things like that. Yeah. Yes, actually. So this is, a, I just happen to not happen. I strategically have it here. This is the new clockwork revised and expanded edition. Ah. And the opening, what I wanted to show you is the opening line in here is you don't need a vacation. The business needs a vacation from you. And I want to give that context because I think many entrepreneurs feel, Oh, I'm leaving my business so I can get a break. And yeah, that's part of it. That's wonderful. But if, if you're there for the business every day, the business becomes dependent upon you. So what most people do uh, when they're taking a vacation, they do what I call the cram and scramble technique. The week before or the days before I leave, I cram all the work I can in to give me a little bit of cushion for time. Then when I'm away, hopefully I can enjoy vacation. Most of us don't. Most of us carry the workload with us. And then when we return from work uh, from vacation a week later, it's a scramble to recover. Well, that's no vacation. That simply means you're trying to bridge the, the gap of time you're away. But the real definition of a clockwork business is a business that doesn't have dependency on the owner or, in fact, any employee, that when that disruption happens. And I will tell you, we're all going to leave our business for an extended period of time. It's not a matter of if we are, it's when. It'll be a natural disaster or perhaps um, someone gets ill in our family or perhaps we're the ones who have... Uh, a challenge, and we have to leave the business. If the business isn't prepared for that, now the business is going to collapse. So here's the solution that, that I teach in Clockwork Revised and Expanded. What I teach is that we need to take a four-week vacation. In that book, I studied, well, collectively, we surveyed thousands of businesses. Um, and what we found is for any business, almost any business in any industry, that if the business owner could leave for four consecutive weeks and have no input or influence over the business. They weren't emailing, they weren't checking in, and the business could sustain, 
then the business could likely sustain into perpetuity. Most things happen in four week periods. We close out at the end of the month. We attract new clients. We have to convert, uh, we, we bring on new employees and, and bring them up to speed. We may have to let someone go. All those elements happen every single month. So if you're away for four, month, four weeks, your business can likely live on forever. So this is the method. Schedule a four-week vacation from your business. And when I tell people this, many people, I gasp and say, are you kidding me? Well, here's the deal. When you book that, I'm not saying do it tomorrow. Schedule a year out or maybe two, worst case, but schedule that vacation and commit to it. Tell others that you're doing it. Now, our mind frame has to shift from how do I get this work done to how does the business get this work done? It becomes a much more entrepreneurial kind of driven spirit than, than the old hustle and grind mentality. And I'll give you one last little tip. Since as I was writing revi uh, Clockwork Revised and Expanded, I started I was traveling for speaking gigs and stuff. I stopped by McDonald's. I, I like McDonald's. I'm not a runner like you, so McDonald's is cool with me. I started asking if the owner's here because I wanted to see how McDonald's run efficiently. The first place I went, there was no owner there. The second place I went, the owner wasn't there. The third place I went to cashier, I'm like, where's the owner? And she said, oh, I haven't seen the owner in about a month, but they came in to pick up the money. I was like, my gosh, I've asked at 50 McDonald's, the owner's never been there. And that's the definition of ownership, of entrepreneurship. Listen, the, the, that owner, that business owner is still working, but they're working on strategy. They're finding new locations. They're learning from headquarters. They're bringing back strategic plans. The person operating the store, the store manager, that's a store manager. That's an employee. That's not an owner. We need to have that same mentality. Don't do the work. Design the outcomes. And the first technique is book that fork vacation to cause intentional disruption and get you out of that mentality of always doing more. And I really like how Mike summarized it, where it's not uh, how are you going to do the work? How is the business going to do the work? When you think mm -hmm. how is the business going to do it? That's you're forced to create systems and trust other people instead of solely relying on yourself. Now, trust is the biggest word. Mark, I just want to jump on that because yeah, trust definitely. is the biggest word. When I left my uh, company for four weeks for the first time, I've done this now. This is my fifth consecutive year. When I left for the first time five years ago, um, I was afraid my employees, and we're small. We, we have 10 people here, 15 in my other building. We have 25 people. We're tiny. Um, so but I was afraid that they'd say, Mike's going on a beach. He's going to be drinking Coronas. And we're working our butt off. We're sweating like crazy to have Mike live this amazing life. And uh, they're going to be um, pissed at me or disappointed or feel like they're being taken advantage of. When I met with my employees after that fortification, I said, how do you feel about me? And they said, well, you're great. And we love your cheerleading kind of activities, but we want you to know how we feel about us. We feel we're, we're empowered, that you actually trust us, not through words, but through actions. Mm. You showed us you believe in us. We stepped into roles we never thought we could do. My receptionist back then is president of our company today. She grew, she showed and demonstrated these talents inherently that was clear she was acting and functioning as a president years before she was even given that title. She had that capability, but it would have always been hidden away if I was inserted in the business. It's funny, now um, I got my, every, every year I go away for at least four weeks. Last year I went away for nine weeks. Um, every single year I go away, the team gets stronger uh, while I'm away. And here's the most interesting part. Kelsey, our president, two years ago said, Mike, it's not about you taking a vacation to improve the business. We all need to leave. At different times, 
Let have, let's have every employee leave for four consecutive weeks so that it forces backup and redundancy. My, my personal assistant, my scheduler, her name is Erin, she left for her fourth vacation last uh, Monday. So just a few days ago from us recording this. And uh, Amy is her backup. So Amy's in full flow. The thing is, one day, Erin, my assistant, may choose to leave. There's another opportunity for her. Normally, a business goes out of business. And it's like, oh, my God, panic. What do I have to do? But we all, we all have backups of systems and people so that if any of us leave, the business will continue on unabated. And that is what I call a clockwork business. I mean, just to be able to step away from the business, like the business is its own entity and should be able to function with or without you uh, <clears throat> as a theory. Yeah, and, yeah, and it increases value. I mean, I assume, Mark, you aspire to sell your companies. I, I, I've had the blessing now of selling a couple companies. I plan to sell more. And I've learned over time that your valuation, the valuation someone else puts in your business is determined by two extraordinary factors, two critical factors. One is profitability. If you can show sustained and increasing profitability over time, well, now it's a money-making machine. That increases the valuation. Second thing is no dependency on the owner. Meaning no one wants to buy a business and say, okay, it has dependency on this one critical person who, by the way, is leaving because they're selling the business. Why would I want it? The business needs to operate without you. So if it's profitable and doesn't need you, other people want to buy it. And that's where you make your exit. And I mean, I definitely see that because when you're selling, you're no longer part of it. And people would definitely want to know they can manage it without you. Um, We were talking about trust earlier. Uh, being the glue that allows a clockwork to happen. And for some people, the administrative stuff alone might be a little bit too much to hand off. But I think that's a great way to start. You hand that off, you build. I think it gets more complicated. I love to talk about building trust in areas like these. Uh, you're, when you're trusting one of your workers to pitch and have conversation with a five-figure client, yeah. I know that's something you built that level of trust with your team, yeah. but that's not necessarily something that everyone has done with some people even helicoptering over a single email. How do you get to the level of trust where you just have a five-figure client coming in and you trust your team to close that client? Yeah, and it, that's a great question because there's trust like in finances, right? So there's individuals that have access to all of our finances here. And uh, you hear these horror stories of people... Uh, taking advantage of that. So there's trust and there's blind faith, and those are radically different. Trust is, is the transfer, the transference of empowerment, meaning you have the ability and control to achieve a certain outcome that we agree upon. That's what trust is. Blind faith is um, get us here and no matter what you do, uh, I'm cool with that. So I don't have blind faith in my colleagues. I am faithful and I trust them emphatically. And I think they feel the same way about me, but I know we're all human. None of us are perfect. So redundancies, balances uh, and checks, but really monitoring the the metrics is probably the most important thing. This morning we had a team meeting uh, for about three hours and my, my team, three of us, three leaders, uh, the, the leadership team, if you will, went over every single number. And we're looking for things that are anomalies or red flags that don't make sense. Uh, one thing that's a red or it's a flag, it's a wonderful thing potentially, but we're investigating now is our sales conversions have gone up. We used to have a 27% sales conversion rate. Now we have a 38% this last quarter. That's a wonderful thing, but the question's why? 
oh, there's a new person moved into that role. So are they a great salesperson? Are they overselling? Are they making side deals? It's just something that the heartbeat of the business is a little different. So it deserves an investigation. I trust uh, this colleague who's running it emphatically. I, I'm sure they're doing extraordinary things, but we want to investigate kind of science behind it so we can nail down what's happening. And when we understand it, um, just as likely or more likely, she's doing things that are more effective. But we want to extract those things and then translate it to our next salesperson. So I bring in that $50,000 you know, deal or five-figure deal, I should say, person, and uh, I have them out selling. I want to measure the metrics. Um, how are they calling upon customers? When they do a meeting, I want to know the numbers behind that. How long is the meeting? What are they discussing? I want to know the elements. When they close, what's the financial structure? Are they closing and adhering to the structure we want? All cash up front, or is there some kind of terms? And start investigating that. Because if the salesperson's crushing it, now I have something that I can replicate for others. If the salesperson's struggling, now I have an opportunity to correct it. So measure the incremental stages necessary to get to those big deals. And I think you'll have a lot of control of that situation while still being able to trust your colleagues as much as they trust you. And I really like how you break that distinction between trust and blind faith, because yeah. the idea of the blind faith perspective, it's you're just doing it because you heard on a podcast, trust <laughs> your people, and that's good. Uh, but having the true, genuine trust, um, it allows true scaling to take place. And you can get into a scenario like Mike mentioned, where his conversion rate is now skyrocketing. And now they're just going to dissect that and figure out how to make that more consistent across the business. Uh, when you start to think about your business as the entity that needs to grow, even if you are not in the driver's seat, uh, there's a lot of scaling that can happen. And then your business doesn't feel like a nightmare. I had, uh, when I was writing Clockwork, this edition, the revised expanded, I, I interviewed a woman named Lisa Keeker. She started, uh, she bought into a franchise called Anytime Fitness. And uh, she built or, or now owns somewhere upwards of 10 locations before she sold her package of locations. And she was known for turning around these studios. So she wouldn't buy a brand new location and start it from scratch. She would go to anyone who was struggling and uh, acquired at a discount and then restore these, these locations, some of them to be the pinnacle uh, franchisee locations because of membership retention, number of members, uh, ratings and reviews. And so I said, how do you do it? She was like, it's a hard five hours a week. I'm like, what? It's all about numbers reviews. So five hours a week, she sits and she reviews every number and they're all drill downs. So she's this dashboard that shows the general health. And when she sees something that's not consistent with what she would expect, she can drill in and then read more into it. And she'll find that a new hire um, as the greeter at the, the, the store is not a you know, good greeter um, and they're kind of a jerk or they ignore you when you come in and they say retention start dropping. When they drill in, they can find this thing. The numbers reveal the truth. And it is, I think many business owners just try to get a feel for everything and walk around their own business and see what's going on. That, happened, that works with micro enterprises. But as you start scaling the business, You've got to be measuring the pulse of the business. You've got to be looking at metrics. And the second something's askew, good or bad, if there's something that's not consistent with what you expect, investigate, drill deeper. I love looking at that and analytics. I'm definitely on, uh, I fully agree on that. Just when you look at the data, it's, 
a visual representation of how people engage with your brand. And you can get like the full accurate picture if you are looking at the right data. And when you do stuff like looking at data, it gives you ways to optimize your business. You're put in that position when you scale and you have a team behind you. And if you want to get to that point where you've got all the people um, in your business in sync, you could take a four-week vacation, have a lot less stress, and you may need that four-week vacation for something that you enjoy or even for an emergency. It could work in both ways. But if you want to be in that position, Mike McCallock's book, Clockwork, really does a great job at walking through that process. We will link to it in the show notes. Mike, I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the other places we can follow your work and read your books. I think, yeah, so you can go to clockwork.life. And when you go there, you'll see the Clockwork Revised and Expanded Edition. I just want to drive that point home. I, I took the original book, which I wrote five years ago. It's it's 60% new content, 100% simplified. And uh, it's all at clockwork.life. Because I do believe it's a lifestyle. If you want to learn more about me, my last name is Michalowicz. So I do have a domain, Mike Michalowicz. No one can spell it. Shortcut. My nickname in grade school is Mike Motorbike. I think because it rhymed. I never driven one. And it's the only G-rated one I have, Mark. So you can go to mikemotorbike.com and uh, I have free resources there. I used to write for the Wall Street Journal. All my books, you can get chapter downloads. I have a podcast too, mikemotorbike.com. Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, make sure you follow Mike and his work. Get his books. All the links will be in the show notes. So if you don't know how to spell McCallowicks, we got you covered. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. It's so good seeing you again, Mark. Thank you.